glass ceiling. And Penelope Pink, now you're my reward. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition, this is the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling with your host, Mr. Green, and we are going through another recap of uh, this week's, or this particular episode's, wow, episode 48 it is, and it is listed as The Last Stand, so... I guess we'll figure out what this is. I'm assuming the last stand in this regard was meant to be a, uh, a statement on Princess Ozzy and her main event slash championship uh, aspirations. And this allegedly is her last chance to get it. I'm, uh, they haven't really built that up, so I don't know how uh, accurate that title is. But, you know, we'll, we'll go with it and move on. So this is the review, this is the recap, and um, I'm just going to say up front that this is, you know, a a solid C episode. It was was pretty basic. I mean, uh, didn't really get much out of it personally. Maybe you did. Um, But I, I, I just didn't feel it here. I just... I just didn't get it because it didn't have a lot of build towards anything. The matches are fine. The person, you know, the the persons that were on the show were fine. And some of it I enjoyed. But when I look back at at the episode and I look at what they uh, assumably tried to accomplish, when I weigh those things into it, then it turns into this is this is a fairly average show. You know, this is at best. Uh, one thing I have to bring up before we go into the actual review is I just found out, and I don't know why, WoW doesn't seem to advertise these things. So if somebody saw this on TV and I didn't, please bring it up or leave it in the notes or something, because I am now getting under the impression that WoW has no ability or desire to advertise their own stuff. What is it that I'm talking about? WoW now airs on Vice. I did not notice. I happened to walk into the break room at my job at the at the TV station, and I was flipping around on the channels. I pulled up the guide and I said, "Wow, WoW's WoW on. This is a Wednesday, and it was on Vice." And I flipped to it, and lo and behold, it was the episode that had just passed that Saturday, and it was on Vice TV. And I was like, okay, well, now they've, they've gone beyond syndication. Now they actually have a cable outlet, albeit a small cable outlet. It's probably the equivalent of where they were before with Access TV. 
put there on Vice, and I had no idea that they were doing this. I didn't see any press release on it, and I didn't see them advertise it. I'm honestly a little bit shocked. I mean, you know, I can understand when you have a show and you're syndicating it out to a bunch of different places that you, you can't dedicate time on your program to every station and everything. But this is a cable network. And it might be more convenient for some people. It's like, hey, you know, just so you know, WOW is now on Vice, you know, Wednesday nights at 12, which is, you know, <laughs> this is late night TV. I mean, it is really late night TV. And I don't know if this is the right time slot for WOW. Quite honestly, they, they air apparently twice on Vice. Didn't mean to rhyme it there. But apparently they air twice on that network. And it is a, from what I'm reading, I only caught the one episode on Vice, and that was a midnight showing. So it, it runs at midnight on Vice, and it runs again three hours later at 3 o'clock in the morning. So I know that, you know, we're not going to judge their ratings off of that 3 a.m. airing. Uh, but I will judge it off of the 12 o'clock airing and what they do on their syndicated package. Uh, unfortunately, in the last three weeks or so, I have not seen um, an update on their syndicated programming since the 6th of, um, of August, which is a, you know the, the week before what I'm covering right now. Uh, so just to give a, a an idea of the ratings, because I wanted to get back into talking about the ratings and you know doing the full review, so I can provide a full picture of what's going on with Wow from you know the television aspect. Uh, the highest rating that I've seen on Wow, uh, and I think that this is according to WrestleNomics. I want to uh, give credit to this. This is. Uh, According to WrestleNomics, they do a fantastic job of uh, creating this huge spreadsheet, and they they cover everything. They they got uh, ratings from New Japan, WWE, Rampage. They even got heels, which isn't a wrestling show necessarily, but it's you know it's a wrestling program, a wrestling based program. They got Dark Side of the Ring, so they they cover a lot within this i mean almost everything from time if it airs on broadcast tv cable or uh over the air broadcast and uh, they seem to cover it they do not cover it, and I, I only say that in case anybody is like well you can see the nwa no the nwa doesn't qualify because they only show it on uh youtube and so since they have YouTube analytics, that's a little bit different. Well, it's a lot different than what you get off of a rating sheet. But in any case, getting back to the point, um, the last week, which is the last week, the 6th, um, which was that Sunday, I guess the, the the day that I watched it would be on the, um, the 5th. But the highest rating that I saw for that particular episode would be a 0 0.08. 0 0.08. Now, if I remember correctly, 
that's probably going to be somewhere in the nature of about uh, two, maybe 280, 280,000 uh, people watching the show. I mean, it, they've averaged anywhere between 300,000 to about a quarter of a million, 250,000. One I know is a little less than that. I think they dropped down to about, I want to say 160, about 160,000 people watching the show. At, for them, that's, that's, that's probably pretty good. I mean, um, WoW has given the impression. They've been on for a year and they've been renewed. Okay, so I think that we cannot overlook the idea that they have been renewed. They have somebody looked at these the numbers that they've looked at what they were doing. They looked at the progress of the show and they said it's fine. Let's keep going. So that harks back to what I was talking about when I brought up ratings weeks ago. I said that the rating wasn't great, but it being good or bad is going to rest solely within the internal uh, discussions of the people at WOW because we don't know how much it costs for them to produce this show. We don't know what the TV stations in those particular time slots are looking for as far as their ratings are concerned. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of little different things that they would, uh, that they would use to... Uh, determine whether this is a success or not uh for a while it probably is quite honestly is it, it within their the range of what they're doing is probably a successful rating to say that we're at 0.08 now that's not necessarily a strong rating in the grand scheme of things but it's not a terrible rating for, for them uh within a syndicated television universe with a show that you have no idea where it's going from one market to the next. Uh, what I did discover, and I think I brought this up, but I'll, I'll bring it up again. Uh, when I, I went to Chicago, when I was in Chicago, this was the episode that was airing. And I found that it airs uh, in the afternoons there which was entirely different than what I was, you know, thinking about. But uh, because every other show, every, every station that I looked at when they sent these papers out, when they were given the press releases, every station that I saw listed this at 10, 11, sometimes 1. You know, some of them is just a fluid thing. It just bounces back and forth depending on what they're doing. Uh, in their primetime lineup and what, what have you. But overall, it seemed to be a very late night show. Well, in the greater Chicago area, that's apparently not the case. It, comes, it came on at 5 in the afternoon. And I was like, well, you know what? This makes more sense for what WOW is. WOW does not strike me. Every, anytime I watch it, and I've watched every episode since they come back, but it doesn't strike me as a show that is attempting to try to get that 18 to 49 demographic. It just does not seem to do that. Uh, they are 
really, really, they're not incoherent, but they don't do a lot of build to anything. Uh, they can drop stuff at the, at the drop of a hat. Every wrestling promotion I've ever seen has been able to do that, but they do it a lot. Um, they don't really seem to go out of their way to try to get more people to watch. They Now, you could consider that a good or a bad thing because they're your AEWs. We'll use them as an example. Having Shaq show up. Having Mike Tyson show up. Uh, you know, th- things like Rosario Dawson. Generally, when wrestling programs do things like that, they're trying to get more people to watch. They're trying to get more attention on their product. They're trying to get more people interested in their product. And by having somebody like a Rosario Dawson, like a Shaquille O'Neal, like a Mike Tyson pop in, you're hoping that their fan base will flood on it, you know, at, at least watch out of just sheer curiosity. If you get a sports star like a Shaquille O'Neal, you're hoping that this thing runs on the ESPN, the clips. Like, oh, man, Shaq just got put through, you know, stuff like that. Wow has not given the impression that they are concerned with that in the least. <laughs> you know, not not at all. They, they've had their opportunity. They had somebody right there in their roster that they could have uh, tried to, you know, for lack of a better term, exploit. That being AJ Mendez, they never did. You know, and that's something I'll get into. I may have to dedicate an entire show to that. But uh, yeah, I mean that that shows me when I see him in the afternoon. I was like, okay, this this fits the narrative that Wow has kind of painted for themselves, whether they intended to do it or not. Uh, so those ratings would make sense in there. And uh, yeah, I was pretty close. A 0.08 rating is about 220,000 viewers. So it's just a little bit under, you know, that quarter of a million mark. That is them on syndicated television across the country in different time slots. Again, that might be a, a number that they're perfectly happy with. They might be, you know, absolutely fine with that. Uh, hey, and more power to them. Their ratings on Vice, however, are ah, man, they, they they are just drastically low. I mean, and and it, you, you have to again take into account that Vice is a very offshoot network. And for all intents and purposes, it's a very young network. Is there's no comparison of a vice against a USA network or a vice against a TNT. There's no comparison there. It doesn't have to reach as either one of those companies. It, you know, it's not even, it's not on a basic cable platform like those companies, uh, companies, well, companies, networks, however you want to describe it. So you cannot expect for vice to get the same numbers slash viewership that, uh, is compatriots or rival networks, however you want to describe it. Can't expect them to get that. But these are just abysmal numbers. Maybe it's because it, it just started up. Maybe it's because why doesn't advertise it? Maybe nobody knows it's there. But these are just abysmal numbers. The lowest number that I see for Vice 
And I'm not going to go into the 3 a.m. broadcast, but the lowest number I see for Vice at this point is a 0.00. I mean, that that's, that doesn't necessarily say that nobody watched, but it is, you know, you, you're probably somewhere under, a, a 0.01 is like 60,000 people. So you're way underneath 60,000 people across the country think about that the country's a big place you have millions upon millions of people and nobody saw this most people probably didn't even know it was there but yeah these, these are abysmal numbers the highest that they got is a 0.02 and that is males 18 to 49 uh, that was for the 12 o'clock broadcast on vice you know, again, we're figuring that's probably 120 or less, 120,000 or less. Uh, maybe they'll start advertising and maybe the numbers will go up. This this seems to be relatively new, but I, I felt like I needed to bring this up because WOW apparently is not. And as I'm going up the spreadsheet of, of uh, WOW, I mean, I'm sorry, not wild, but uh, as I'm going up the wrestling spreadsheet for viewership and and ratings and things like that, it looks like this has been on Vice for a at least three or four months. I'm you know, I didn't even pay attention. I just thought I'd scroll up as I'm talking. But they've been on Vice unadvertised as far as I can tell. At least since April. The earliest ratings that they have for them on Vice is April 18th of this year. April 18th, 2023 is the earliest I've seen for them on Vice TV as listed by the WrestleNomics spreadsheet. Now, maybe they missed one. You know, maybe they missed a couple of weeks. I don't know. But even if this is off by a couple of weeks, it is insanely ridiculous that they haven't brought up that they air on Vice once. That I've seen. They, they, I, again, if you heard something different, if you got an email, something there, if you if you saw anybody on Wild Television or somebody off Wild Television talking about Wild. Saying that, yeah, we got a new show on Vice TV, or we re-air on Vice. If you've seen any of that, leave it in the comments. Let me know. Because I really want to know, am I just blind? Did I not see this? Was I not paying attention? All the way back to April. And it's like this doesn't exist. So anyway, uh <laughs> That's enough of that. I, I just I felt like I needed to get into some of the ratings just to provide a little something extra to the uh, the conversation as we talk about WOW. But speaking of WOW, let's, let's get into the program in and of itself. So, we have The Last Stand, episode 48. And as I said before, WOW has a, a standard. They have a template that they like to use. And there you might get them to change out of that here and there. It's possible. It doesn't happen very often. But uh, 
they do have that. The temple is there. It, it, it exists. And that usually goes as follows. They open it up with the recap of the main event for the last match. And the, the main event of the last match, as it is on this episode, was uh, their recapping uh, last call, which they rarely call them that. But Reina Del Rey and Wrecking Ball taking on the Tonga Twins, excuse me, which was a boring main event. And uh, how that set them up for challenging for the um, the Wild Tag Team Championships. So that is covered. And then they set up for Princess Ozzy's main event match. And that's usually how it goes. They, they do a recap, and then they do the match, and then they have a video package, and then they do a match, and then they have a video, video package, and then they do a match. You, you get the idea. So that's, that's the overall template that we deal with when we're uh, watching WOW and looking at their television. Here they they do the, the same number. And I, I want to give some credit to those editors because even though I felt like the match was boring, and I, I mean the main event from the previous week, the Target Twins versus the Wrecking Ball and, and Raina Del Rey, uh, the editors did at least make it look comparable. And it made it look like, okay, well, they won. Yay. So now we can move into this, this, next, this next match. The editors probably should get a raise on this show because they do more to try and make these matches mean something than the wrestlers themselves. Now, I'm not saying that the wrestlers don't want to do that, but they don't get the chance to really, like, week by week, talk the match up, say what this means, Things like they just do not get the chance to do it. And so it becomes reliant on whatever backstage vignette they may have or the editors that piece this together or the commentators, which they really shouldn't be doing all the time, but the commentators having to fill in the blanks of whatever situation took place off camera that we'll never see. So, yeah, shout out to those editors that, put this together and try to make some level of sense behind what goes on in a wild show. Uh, so, yeah, you, you got that opening video, the recap, and then the preview. And then we go into the uh, opening match, which Chainsaw and with her little sister, Angelica Dante, and then uh, Chantilla, or versus, I should say, Chantilla Cella. Uh, this was a David and Goliath match. You got the giant uh, in, in their universe, Chainsaw. And you got tiny Chinchilla Chella. I, I am never going to like that name. I, I, just, I just am never going to like that name. It's nothing against her, but that name is just so stupid. Why are you named out of a music festival? Anyhow, I mean, what are you there, partying all the time? Jesus. All right, so anyhow, we, <laughs> we, we get into this match, and, and you got Chainsaw coming out. I still, you know, I, I like the apron that she got. I like the repackaging of Chainsaw, quite honestly. I, I was worried about it at first. But I do like the packaging that they have with her and Dante back together. Uh, I like when Dante is doing her manager thing and she's giving instructions through 
uh, poking at the faces on the apron, which is a disturbing apron. <laughs> but to have these faces that's just kind of, you know, sewn onto it. And yeah, we know it's, it's not real, but I'm just saying, you know, just the concept of that. It's a, it's a disturbing apron <laughs> that she comes out with. Um, I can only repeat what I've said about Chainsaw before. She is not a great wrestler. But in fairness to her, because she is the monster here, because she's supposed to be the quote uncontrollable force, her not being good or polished or smooth works in her favor. She can be rough. She can be unpolished. She can be uh, just a, a, a brute in there. And it works in for her because that's what she's supposed to be. She she can it's almost like what Bobby Heenan described about himself. It's like it didn't matter what he did. Is that if I did it right, then you know, Bobby Heenan, the brain, it is fine. If I screw up and I trip or fall or twist over my words or something like that, it's also fine because everybody knew that Bobby was not the genius that he pro- proclaimed himself to be. He's like it worked because it's the easiest job in the world for me. Said because whether I succeeded or failed at whatever it is he was attempting to do, it worked. And that's what I feel about Chainsaws. Like whether she does it smooth or not, it works. Um, and this is the point where I want to give some uh, some praise to Cello also. She probably should get an MVP award from WoW at some point. I don't know if they ever do these things backstage or uh, give a bonus in the check or something like that. But, you know, I am going to publicly say that, you know, y'all need to do something for her. You know, WoW, WoW's management, Dave McLean, Jeannie Buss, whoever. She deserves praise slash uh, award or a trophy or something like that. She has been in the ring with everybody practically that WoW has on their roster from the inexperienced to the veterans of the, of the Indies. One thing that I would say that if I was the management, I would trust her with almost anybody that I had on that roster. She, she being Chantilla, seems to be capable of getting a lot out of the girls that are there, even the ones like Chainsaw, like G.I. Jane, who are not as polished or experienced as she is or some of the other girls on the roster. You go back and look at that match with Chella and G.I. Jane, you can see her having to slow Jane down, like, all right, no, we're going to do this. You know, you you can literally see her doing that. And this match, no, I don't want to say that you can see her firing off instructions, but she did a lot to help the mythos of of Chainsaw, even though she put up a good fight. This is probably the best match that Chainsaw has had overall. It's not, you know, it's not her longest or you know, not the most impressive uh, in in that regard. It probably was the most impressive <clears throat> by way of having somebody smaller do a lot in the match. Chantilla Chella did a lot in the match. She 
did the old, you know, I got to move faster, I got to out quicker, got to out thicker, you know, things like that, coming off the top rope, hitting it with a drop kick, and, you know, just, just giving the viewing audience and the crowd the hope that she could pull this off. And that's about as much as you can ask out of her in, in this situation is that she had to get a reasonable engaging match out of chainsaw and for for the time that they had and for who she was with i thought that she accomplished that she lost but that seems to be the role that she has taken on in a while is that a lot of times chantilla chella goes in there to give the good match but then she loses and i've said it earlier somebody's got to do it so there's no shame in that there's no shame and that you're the person that had to take the fall. Somebody has to. But in her, by way of her taking that fall, she gives a lot to her opposition. And she does as much that I think that she could do to shine them up, make them look good, as well as they could be. And... I go back to saying that, you know, she probably deserves uh, some praise or plaque, tro- something. <laughs> Show it the, throw an extra 300 bucks in the check <laughs> or whatever. Just But she deserves something. Ultimately, uh, Chainsaw wins. You know, she essentially gets to a point where she can overpower her, sends her into the ropes, catches her with the double goozle, puts her down with a double choke slam, then comes down on her with the splash. One, two, three. But this was not after, you know, not until she had to fight for it. This is one of the few times that Chainsaw had to fight for it. So we get out of that. And I want to say that when I watched this, I did not watch this airing on television. So there, there's segments in here that I skipped over because I was watching on the repeat of the uploads on YouTube. So we are mostly just matches here, opposed to whatever segments and bits and skits that they had in between. So the next match is Gigi Gianni taking on Tiki Chamorro. And again, we got the commentators talking about events that are unseen on TV. I, I understand having done commentary that sometimes that's just a necessity sometimes you have to do that you have to explain it to the audience you have to say okay this is what's going on this is why this is happening and you know so on and so forth so i get it i I do i get the um necessity that the commentators have to explain stuff at some point My issue with the commentators explaining these things is that it happens all the time. And sometimes it happens for things that either, well, all of them should have been seen, but either could have been seen if it had been planned out better. This is another one of those situations where something went on and they're having to try to explain it. That being why Gigi Gianni is in singles competition opposed to the 
tag team competition that she had been in when she lost her first partner, uh, Adriana Gambino, who apparently is returning. So we'll see if uh, she gets thrown back into a tag team following this. And then we had um, the former Commander Spars, who became Amber Rodriguez, and now she's not there. And they're having to explain it again. This is this is a case of wild wrestlers have no voice. I don't understand why they couldn't take some time at the beginning of the day before the, the tapings of the matches went down and just say, Gigi, I need you to come back here. Give me two minutes on you losing your partner. I don't understand how that is such an impossibility. It, how, much, how difficult is that? If they have some reason why they can't, then they should just go ahead and say, well, you know, we, we can't do it because of this or that. But I really find that very, very, very hard to believe that you cannot carve out five minutes in the course of your day of taping over a three-day weekend to have her just get in front of the camera and say these things or have somebody interview her and say, well, you know, you lost your partner. What's that going to mean for you? Something. You don't need to have the commentators do that all the time. This is what takes away from that show is that it just things just happen. And it's not that it just happens. We, we understand that those things take place in the course of a wrestling program. But why aren't the wrestlers addressing this? It is always up to Stephen Dickey and David McClain to say something about it. Always. And it has to be some half, you know, cocked reason as to why. Oh, yeah, you know, they just decided that they would, why it was too much for them and they left. It'd be as simple as that. So, it, and this won't be the last time that I had this complaint, folks. I, I, I can promise you that because why was already proven that they just, you know, we, we got to just talk it up and that's fine. So anyway, <clears throat> Gigi works fine as a heel and Tiki's a, a, a good baby face. She, she does well in an underdog position, although I don't believe that she came off like an underdog in this particular scenario because, you know, Gigi Gianni and Tiki tomorrow are roughly the same size. There's no underdog feel or vibe here beyond the fact that Tiki just kind of plays into being the, you know, the sweet, sweetheart baby face more often than not. Um, it, the match was fine. Um, nothing behind it. This, this, this is the hallmark of what we've been talking about with WoW for a couple of weeks now. The, the first three matches seemingly more often than not are cold matches, and this one's no exception. It's a cold match. The match, fine, but there's nothing behind it. There is a point in this match that uh, Gianni did something that made absolutely zero sense, and I don't know if somebody should have asked her what was this supposed to be when she uh, when she got in the back, but there is a, a point where Chamorro has Gianni and a submission hole not quite a surfboard, but, you know, for the sake of this, we'll call it that. Where Gianni's on her stomach. Uh, Chamorro is sitting down 
like just a little bit by Gianni's thighs and she has her arms hooked by the by the wrist. Well, at this point, Gianni gets her arms free and then she what was supposed to be here is that she takes her nails and she drags it down Chamorro's legs, which would have been a fine heel spot that she would do something like this. But the entirety of that rake across her legs happened on knee pads and boots. So I'm not sure why Chamorro was selling the idea that this hurt. I mean, she was... She put on the face like, oh, my God, this is such pain. I was like, what? how is this painful? She's raking your knee pads and your boots. And this, this is another one of those points of like, come on, seriously? This is where you're supposed to have somebody of some sense or veteran status look at that and say, okay, what did you do wrong here? That, I mean, the match in and of itself was fine, but that was not a good spot. Don't repeat it. Now, maybe they did. Maybe they, somebody did take them back there. It's like, no, that didn't come off good. This was not good on camera at all. Not only was it not good on camera, but the camera's right there in it. You can look right there. I mean, they got such a perfect shot of this that there is no denying. She never even came close to her thighs where it would have actually meant something her thighs are exposed her knees and her shins are not so i that was just the wrong thing in fact i don't even know if i would have included that in the match if anything i would have said can we edit around this can you throw in a crowd shot or something just get that off of my screen i don't want it there that was that's what somebody should have said before this hit the air that was just a bad spot does that spot take away from the overall match? No, but it does make it look nonsensical. Like, I don't know what kind of paper-thin boots that Tiki Chamorro is supposed to have that those her nails, Gianni's nails, are supposed to get through it and actually hurt. But, yeah, if, if that were a choice that I had to make, that spot would be out of this match. And so we get back into it. Uh, tomorrow goes, and she has her hope spot. She cuts her down with a palm strike, a clothesline, a high cross body, and you know, and all of which looked perfectly fine. Really, I mean, it, it all of that is absolutely fine. The only down spot of this match was that rake, because it just was ridiculous. Tomorrow sets uh, Gianni up. Uh, I forget what area code they used for her version of it, but it was a 619. And then you got the second bad spot of the match. She hits a 619, drops Gianni. Gianni's laying on the mat, and tomorrow decides that she's going to do a splash. The splash that she attempts to do is right at the legs of, of Gigi Gianni. I have no idea what she was trying to accomplish with that. It, it didn't even make it to where it looked like she was trying to splash her across the stomach or the chest or someplace that would really hurt. <laughs> she was standing by her knees and just jumped up and decided that she's going to splash on the legs. 
which didn't make a lot of sense because all Gianna did was just raise her knees. And so now Chamaro landed on the knees. And she missed most of those. She actually landed on her feet. So she didn't catch a lot of it. Now, the, the same point was, you know, I guess happened. You could say, it, all right, well, she, she caught her feet and she got the wind knocked out of her. I mean, that's possible. But those two spots there just took something out of this match. I mean, it, it's moments like that. It's like this was – it was a fair match, but this shouldn't be on national TV. I'm sorry. It shouldn't. This match belonged on the indie show where they're testing things out and getting it right and, and fine-tuning uh, what they can and can't do in the match. That's where this belongs. It's not that it's terrible. It's just that the mistakes in there that are so glaring, it should have been someplace else. So after Gianni catches tomorrow with the uh, the, the kick in the guts from from tomorrow doing a splash to her feet, Gianni hoists tomorrow up in power slam position, walks around and gives her the old running power slam. Beats tomorrow clean in the middle. Gigi Gianni wins. Uh, I was surprised that she actually won, quite honestly. I, this was a, a surprise, clean win by the heel and by somebody who has a terrible win-loss record. Gianni picks it up and moves on. Not like I expected to continue to win, but, you know, time will tell. So, yeah, that, that was a match that I'm sorry. It, it, it was okay, but it probably should have just been on somebody's, you know, high school gym or whatever. The next match, BK Rhythm and Robbie Rocket taking on the Mother Truckers. I will say BK Rhythm and Robbie Rocket look like they are probably a better uh unit than the other individuals that they have tagged with over the weeks. I mean, it, it, it the BK Rhythm hip-hop thing and whatever Robbie Rock is trying to, I mean, whatever she's trying to pull, I mean, they try to make it off like, yeah, she's a big dancer. She goes around and, you know, break dances and all that nonsense. But, you know, whether that be the case or not, it it at least their gimmicks mesh. That That's what I'm getting at with that. The Mother Truckers, uh, they they come out and do their their normal shtick, their honk honk and all that, uh, what you know what have you. Uh, I said it before. I'll say it again. If there's anything that gives me the impression that this is made for kids, is that is the the idiocy of standing around yelling honk honk like that's a cool thing to do. BK Rhythm does her normal opening rap. She takes a shot at at the mother truckers needing help from Sofia Lopez like that meant anything to the crowd. That crowd seemed like they did not know what they were talking about, nor did they care. So this is not like Caster when he comes out in AEW. And he does, you know, he did his rap and he would talk about something topical. Or he would say something about, you know, a wrestler there that would get a rise out of the audience. This is not like John Cena 
20 years ago when he was doing the same gimmick, when he was coming out and he was, you know, rapping and he was giving lines that people understood that bought the ticket. Not like that. I can't even say it's like PG-13, <laughs> which would probably be 30 years ago when they were doing it. And it's not like they came out and they rapped and they started. I mean, but they would cut promos on people and sometimes they, you know, try to do some some weak rhyme or whatever. But the point being is that the material that was used in those instances was material that the fans would actually get a rise out of. Like, ooh, you know, stuff like that. This is not one of those cases. Those fans, the majority of them, just sat there and, like, they sat and smiled and they watched and they heard it, but nobody cared. No one cared that this line had some sort of uh, diss in it, and I used this very lightly about that they had to get bailed out of jail from Sofia Lopez, which, which that entire angle was stupid to begin with. You know, they had the fans did. I mean, just, just look at the audience. You don't have to take my word for it. Go on their YouTube and look at look at the 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 segment that has this, and look past them and look at the audience. They don't care. They didn't care, and they didn't get it. The only thing that even made that remotely come off like that meant something is that they put the camera on a close up of the mother truckers. And you got their reaction. So that might be the only thing that saved it. But even then, like I said, the, the reaction didn't do anything for the audience. The rap didn't do anything for the audience. It meant nothing. This is one of this this is right back to that thing where I said they have no personality. And and this shows it they, they got nothing. The match is fine, but personality wise, is nothing there. So they do that. It drew no heat from the audience. The heels jump the mother truckers, and then the match is underway. Uh, even though they got dropped, ho- jumped, excuse me, Holly Swag turns it around and uh, takes down Robbie Rocket. Robbie Rocket goes and she makes the tag to BK Rhythm. This was a probably more acceptable and competitive match for Holly Swag than the matches that she's had with other people. Why? Because Robbie Rocket and, and BK Rhythm are not drastically bigger than her. Normally when we see Swag, she's in there with people who are larger and perceived as stronger. This is not that case. Rhythm and Rocket are not bigger necessarily. I mean, they they may be a little thicker at, you know, <laughs> depending on where you're looking, I guess, and we won't go into that. But uh, no, this is not a case of, of swag being outgunned by size, weight, or, you know, strength necessarily. Uh, but they still stick to the mother trucker template. Swag starts off, swag gets bounced around, it's just that it was a little bit more competitive now rather than her just taking a, just a full-on beating from start to finish. Uh, she got some hope spots in there. I mean, you know, she stayed down a good majority of it. I don't want to make it sound like it was super competitive. <clears throat> but she did get some hope spots in. 
But by and large, this is the same match that the truckers always have. We, we can start off with whoever we start off with, but once Swag is in the ring, the heels take over, and they pretty much bounce around as much as, as humanly possible until Swag manages to get free, and she makes the tag, and then the mom comes in, and she cleans up. That is what Big Rig Betty's job is. She is the cleanup hitter. And this match was no different. So we got Holly Swag, and she's getting beat up on by both BK Rhythm and, and Robbie Rocket, not at the same time, but, you know, incrementally. And they cut the ring off, and they keep her in, and they just, you know, take advantage of her as, as much as they can. This all keeps going until, as predicted and as said, Holly Swag is able to do something to break herself free from this onslaught. That being when BK Rhythm gets into the ring, she shoots into the turnbuckle. Swag is able to leap over and get the uh, uh, sunset flip out of the corner. Rhythm is able to get free of that, but Swag rolls through, gives her a kick in the mouth, and then she's able to get the tag to Big Rig Betty. And, of course, Big Rig Betty does the Big Rig Betty stuff. Come in, clothesline, punch, forearm, backhand, super kick. These are the typical things that she does. Robbie Rocket takes a hit. Falls back into a partner. BK Rhythm tags in. She gets hit with a ripcord clothesline. And then this sets up for a big rig to give her big rig stunner or whatever she wants to call it because they ain't gave a, a proper name to it yet. Uh, but Swag comes in when Robbie Rocket tries to uh, save her partner, which she did. But then Swag comes in, puts her out of the ring, beats her up on the outside. Big Rig does the honk honk, and then, God, I hate saying that. She does that, and then she <laughs> scores with the stunner, gets the pin, one, two, three. Match is done. And so, I mean, I can only go back and say that Rocket and Rhythm look good together, but, you know, didn't, didn't really do much in this particular case because they still lost. Uh... This goes, Dave McClain went into some Hong Kong routine. I, I hated that. Uh, I hate that. It, it, it's, I'm going to repeat it again. If anything makes me very sure that this is for kids, is that. Is that nonsense there. Them sitting around just honk, 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 honk. God. Whew. Please don't keep doing that. So yeah, they they get the they get the win. They beat them, and then you know, hey, the the mother truckers score another one. And you know, I don't know if they're going to get back towards the Sofia Lopez thing, but that's been weeks. Are they ever going to do anything with that? Is that story going to go somewhere? Or is this going to be another one that's incomplete or dropped? I'm getting the feeling that this is just going to be dropped. A story that didn't make a lot of sense to begin with. I mean, I don't know why the two babyface team, I mean, I said the two, the two members of this babyface team would call the singular lawyer that WoW has, which apparently she's such a great lawyer that she spends 90% of the time managing wrestlers. That makes sense. Um, But, I don't, but that match, or I shouldn't say that match, that angle, where is it going? Where is this supposed to go? They have done this. It's been 
well over probably going into two months now, and there's been almost no follow-up to that. Just random mentions about it that's on TV, but other than that, nothing. And then as they walked right into a match against the champions at the time. So I was I mean, so so why? What 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 was that even for? Where was this going? Why why was that even a thing? Uh, anyhow, I'm not going to make my brain explode trying to explain the unexplainable. So the next thing we have here, assumably, because again, remember I watched this on YouTube, is Princess Ozzy. She does a promo on her deserving the championship. And I suppose that she would, considering that months ago she won a qualifying match to go after the championship to begin with. But then she never appeared for that qualifying match, but the person that was beaten showed up in it and won. Why? Because. Wow, that's why. Didn't need a reason. We just make it up as we went along. Oh, it was a wild card rule, and she managed to get back in it. So anyway, it didn't make sense then. doesn't make sense now, and they are re- Visiting the, I guess, the story of Princess Ozzy going after a championship. This feels uh, very haphazard and very loosely built. Um, I there's almost zero emotional connection to seeing Princess Ozzy win this championship. Like I feel nothing for for her chasing this. And if you want an example of when you had the feeling like, I, I want to see this person do this, I, I have to watch this pay-per-view or this event in order for me to see whether they succeeded or not. Don't think about the outcome, but think about the build. Okay, I'm going to say that first. Don't think about the outcome. Think about the build. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes and that magnificent promo that he cut about his story. That got people invested. And they wanted to see him win it. They wanted to see Cody Rhodes win that championship. Hey, you can go back further than that. You can look at Sami Zayn. They were waiting to see Sami do something in the bloodline. When he was part of the bloodline, then they could finally they finally booted him out because the world was waiting on it. They knew it was gonna happen. They didn't want it, but they knew it was gonna happen. It was it built and it built and it built and it built. And then when it happened, they were so ready to see Sami Zayn get some level of revenge against Roman Reigns. Again, let's not think about the outcome. <laughs> Because we know the outcome were for those two examples. Let's not think about the outcome. Let's think about the build. The build to both of those got people to want to see that. You can go more recent than that, and you can look at MJF and Adam Cole. They built something out of practically nothing. Because it's not like they had a lot going into it other than, you know, you were somebody I looked up to and and 
now you're nothing. And then that kind of blossomed into a fainting of a friendship that became a friendship. Now that, you know, now that in this, this storyline of, you know, it's, it's almost a will they want that they got a bromance going on, but who, who's faking out who here, you know, and it's, it's captivated the AEW audience. Those are the type of things that I'm talking about when I say this has no build. It's just Princess Ozzy. She cuts a two-minute promo or less saying that this is what I want, and I want the championship, and I deserve it. You my, you know, you were my glass season ceiling, and uh, uh, Penelope Pink, you'll be my reward. And that came off just like, a, you know, somebody wrote it down or whatever, like, read this. Same thing that she said in the back in the vignette or the video package is the same thing that she repeated when she was live in front of the audience. So again, it comes off to me like this was a very uh, scripted situation, and nothing to make you feel for this whatsoever. So. We are at the main event. Now, bear in mind, I'm not talking about how good or bad the match is. We're not, you know, we're not going into what they did match-wise. We're just talking about did you believe it? Were you invested? Did you care? Like, I, I know there's going to be some people that watch Wild that are going to just care just because it's Wild. That, that's one thing I've noticed with the Wild family. The, the people that are hardcore Wild families, they don't care what Wild does. As long as they got some wrestling women on the screen, that is all they care about. And everybody that Wild tells them is, is a phenomenal athlete or, or a fantastic wrestler, they just go with it. They, they, don't, they don't debate it. They don't question it. It's just this is what it is. You know, and, and I learned that lesson when somebody was like, oh, man, it, it, there was a wrestler some years ago named Frost that wrestled for a while, and she wrestled all of, like, three matches professionally. And that's not an exaggeration. She, she wrestled maybe, like, three matches. And somebody was convinced that she was, the, like, the next coming of Awesome Kong or something. Probably because she was a black woman and she was mean. <laughs> that was that was about it. I was like, that's where the similarities started, and that's where they stopped. But he was like, oh, man, they, they should get Kong in there so Frost and Kong could go at it. He's like, why? Are you out of your mind? Like, she's not ready to be in the ring with no awesome Kong, and awesome Kong is not going to wow. But I say that to say that that's just that's what their fan base is. You don't have to convince them. You do not have to convince the wow contingent of fans that wow was worth watching or not. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they come out in full force over it, but, you know, they, you do not have to convince them. As long as the wild is on, they're going to watch. So, this was the main event. Vicky Lynn McCoy taking on Princess Ozzy. This is maybe the first and only time that I've seen Princess Ozzy actually act as the uh, obstacle for any championship that they had, regardless to how many times they've talked about, oh, Princess Oz, I mean, not Princess Oz, that uh, Vicky Lynn McCoy 
is the glue that holds it. I mean, they, they have gone out of their way to repeat that ad nauseum to try to give Vicky Lynn McCoy some level of importance in the Fabulous Four faction. I, I really think they have done Vicky Lynn McCoy a disservice doing that if they weren't going to give her a position to follow it up. And they have never given her a position to follow it up until this one match. So I don't know how, like, you're gauging it off of that. How successful is she as as the, quote, glue? Or the the obstacle that you have to go through in order to, to uh, get a championship match? When this is the only time that has happened, and... Spoiler alert, she lost. <laughs> like, how, how is this the example of how much the glue that she's supposed to be and how well she saves the, the championships for, um, for the, the, the members of the, the Fabulous Four? I don't know why the Fatal Four popped in my mind. <laughs> I'm thinking about a comic book, apparently. Uh, but, yeah, I was like, I don't know where that comes from that anybody would think that or that they would even try to sell that to people that hey you know she she did all of this stuff and she's the reason that blah 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 uh and they're talking you know and that's the other thing they're talking about all these obstacles that princess ozzy overcame to get to the match that she's in I wrote on my notes, like what? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And that's another open question. What obstacles did Princess Ozzy legitimately, I mean, in the kayfabe universe of WoW, what obstacles did Princess Ozzy have to overcome in order to get to a championship match? Where is the obstacle? This is the only one that I'm aware of. I mean, yeah, she had a tag match with Candy Crush that kind of set this up that she would go after the championship. But that was that one thing, and they won that. I was like, I don't know what, where, where was the obstacle there. They won. Here's the first time that she had something placed in, in front of her that was a legitimate obstacle. Like, in order for you to get this championship match, you got to beat me. That's the only time I've seen this happen with her. So what, what obstacles are they talking about? This is where Wiles commentating team loses credibility because they just say anything. They try to get the story that they want to get across, whether the physicality, the matches, the video, or anything else that Wiles produce backs it up or not. Um. <clears throat> This is the narrative of Ozzy's path, and this, this, is, a, this is a very short-term path. It, 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 did, it was no long-term storytelling here. There was no real build to it. It just, it just kind of happened. I mean, you could say that there are some weeks in it because the way that WoW produces their programming, they did a tag match, and then they don't get back to that particular story until like two or three weeks later. So... I mean, I guess you could say it's stretched out in that regard, but when you're just talking about matches and obstacles, there's not a lot to it. So anyway, I've already given the spoiler, so let's talk about how she got there. Uh, Ozzy was looking to go for a splash off the top rope, 
which is her finish. It's like the, the old Eddie Girl Frog Splash. Well, first, we'll talk about how she set that up. The setup was Vicky Lynn McCoy is, is in control. She tries to do, assumably, a German suplex. But in lifting her up, Ozzy reaches back and turns it into it like a, a cutter. They call it an Aussie cutter. I mean, it was a, I guess that's close enough. Didn't really, it wasn't like a full-fledged cutter, but it was like a modified one, so we'll, we'll go with that. So as she's going to get up, the referee, for whatever reason, is yelling at Vicky Lynn McCoy while she's on the ground. I don't know why that would be a thing. Like, get up. <laughs> You're supposed to be doing the match. I like, so I don't know what the referee was, was yelling at her about. This is uh, one of those moments that I guess the referee was trying to find something to do so that he didn't see Lana Starr interfere. So, so his back is turned. Lana Starr gets up on the apron and starts grabbing at, at uh, Princess Ozzy to prevent her from coming off the top. Of course, the referee's yelling again for no particular reason at Vicky Lynn McCoy. She gets up. Referee turns around. He does see Lana on the tail end of that, but apparently there's no disqualification here. So he doesn't disqualify her. Vicky Lynn gets up to her feet, catches, well, not catches her, but she hoists Princess Ozzy off the top rope into fireman's carry position. Before she could do anything, though, Ozzy is able to convert that into a pin, like cruci crucifix pin. And she gets the one, two, three, and she is now punched her ticket to go and challenge for the championship. So, Princess Ozzy wins with a pin from nowhere on Vicky Lynn McCoy. Fantastic. And then she cuts the promo that I talked about earlier. She, she repeats the same thing, talking about a glass ceiling. It is a very short promo, and it is the same thing, almost word for word, at the end that she talked about in her video version of the promo. Vicky Lynn McCoy, you were my glass ceiling and Penelope Pink, you're my reward. Nice promo. Probably could have been changed up a bit while she was in front of the audience. I don't know if, if they're under instructions like this is your promo, you say this backstage and you say it up front. I don't know if that's the if that's the narrative that they try to get across, I don't know if that's what they're instructed to do, but that's what happened. It was just it was just a repeat of the same promo that took place. So that was the episode of uh Wow episode 48. Uh average. It's a C. It's nothing special that happened here. You, they pushed forward the narrative of Princess Ozzy going after the championship. I imagine we'll see that in the weeks to come eventually. But that's what it is. They, they push forward that narrative and she gets the uh, the championship match. You know, finally, finally she gets the opportunity to, you know, through all these obstacles the one that she had she she gets the, the championship match. So there we have it. That was wild and this is a setup for another match. Now, before I close it, I, I I think it should be said this would probably work a little better, in my opinion. I will add that, in my opinion, if Princess Ozzy 
did not have to well i shouldn't say let's just say us if we as the viewer did not have to wait for weeks and i you know and i'm sure that's the way it's going to be uh did not have to wait for weeks to actually get to the match or if they were going to do weeks insert something from princess ozzy and the champion leading into that just set aside five to six minutes in the show and let them do something whether that be interview segments whether that be a crossing backstage something just to keep it in the forefront of people's minds to where when it finally happens we can be ready for it but i doubt that will ever 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 take place so that's it that was the episode that was the review uh it's it's an average episode at best and you can thank vicky lynn mccoy and president zazi for that for bringing it up uh and Chella and Chainsaw you can thank them for bringing the match up or bringing the show up the other ones weren't bad but you know they they weren't spectacular either it's, it's like they they just do what WoW needs them to do we, we got these six minutes to fill so we're gonna do that that's what this oftentimes feels like it does if the mother truckers match was a little different maybe I would feel differently about the match but it, but their matches are almost always the same it doesn't vary very much from one tag team match to the next. It is, this is our template. This is what we do, and this is what we stick to. Start off with Big Rick Betty, tagging Holly Swag. She gets a, a, a good run. Then she gets beat up, beat up. Then we tag out the Big Rick Betty. She does whatever, and then she wins. You might switch it every once in a while, but that's ultimately what it comes down to. I... And if we didn't have the ridiculousness that took place in the Chamaro and Gianni match, it would probably be a better match too. But that's what it comes down to. You, you've got two reasonable matches and two matches that kind of were meh at best. So there he is. I will now look forward to and wait on episode 49. Which, you know, according to them, we've they've, they've got a what I would consider a questionable main event. Raina Del Rey and Reggae Ball taking on the Holiday and Siren the Voodoo Doll for you know who knows what. So that is what we'll look forward to on the next go round. Uh, interesting show, not great, but it was it was interesting. I mean. Tell me what you think. It was the show better than what I'm giving it credit for? Was it average? Was it below average? Uh, how did you feel about this? Did it did it deliver what you want out of a wow episode, out of a wrestling show? Forget just being a wow episode. Did it deliver what you wanted out of a wrestling show? Leave your comments below and we'll uh discuss that at our earliest convenience and with that i will say now folks that this is mr green saying that this is mr green saying 
So long. And we will see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.